Welcome to What the Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit, whatever the fuck that means. I'm your host, Chrissy Grody, and I'm helping to share the stories of cool people doing cool shit from fitness trainers to wellness coaches, entrepreneurs, and entertainers. We'll hear the behind the scenes journey, all the different ways we can take care of ourselves. And of course, we'll answer and explore the big question of what does being fit mean to you? My guest today is a board-certified urogynecologist and podcast host of the Saucy and Straightforward Ladybod podcast. The Ladybod discusses real health issues facing women in their day-to-day life, debunks myths, and offers straight answers to tough and sometimes embarrassing questions. Please welcome Dr. Susan Oakley with St. Elizabeth Healthcare. Thanks for having me, Chrissy. I am so happy you're here. A real... (laughs) life doctor to help a real life, real doctor that legitimately knows about the human body because I spend a lot of time on this podcast theorizing my health, like analyzing my mood. Why am I, why is this happening now? Why am I feeling this way here? And now I have you to answer all my vagina and period questions. I don't know if I can clarify that. (laughs) I will try. No, I really, I really do appreciate you coming on. It's well, same. I feel honored. So thank you for asking. Yes, of course. I had mentioned before uh, we got started. This podcast lately has turned into a lot of me talking about my period and other women talking about their period. I'm not like totally hogging the spotlight sure, here. Sure. But really, what I'm hoping to do with these conversations is is create a space for us to recognize. And I say us, and really, I'm talking about me. That our bodies are changing so much throughout mm-hmm. the month, right? Different hormone levels, different levels of serotonin. Sometimes we're holding water, sometimes we're not. High energy, low energy, like there's a lot going on. And I would have a tendency to say, well, I was performing this way one week. I had this energy output this week. The next week, well, why am I not at that same exact spot? And almost holding myself to this kind of impossible standard of like the whole month, all the time, you're static, you feel good, you can, you know, do your best. But how boring would that be I, if we were always the same? Yeah, we called a man. I mean, even, <laughs> true. <laughs> Good point. But I mean, what you're saying, Chrissy, it resonates with all of your listeners, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. Because we women are our own worst enemies. I mean, we I do hold ourselves on this spectrum. I don't know why we like to compare ourselves to everyone else. Right. And, and like you said, even to yourself from one day to the next, we have to, in the words of Queen Elsa, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have young children at home? Of young course. girls? <laughs> but I mean, aside from that, I'm a total Disney freak. Yeah. But oh, yes, okay. I Good. do Good have a three-year-old daughter and a five-year-old daughter. Okay. Okay. So yeah. you are in, you are in it and Deep. you've, you've, yeah, <laughs> been through a lot of womenly things that I have not, which is also great to hear well, from you okay, and some wisdom and experience. Oh, my brain is empty. Yeah. Once you have kids, there is no wisdom anymore. I also had a thought not too long ago. I forget who I was talking to about this. I don't remember a, a podcast guest where we were t- we were saying like women I feel hold so much in their minds all at, all at once all different things going on multitasking everyone to take care of that that's why I think we lose our minds first as we get older. Oh heck yeah! Do you do you agree I, as a, as a medical professional? I mean I don't know that there's any research to back that <laughs> yes. up, but I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yes. I always told my mother I was like, no wonder you're crazy. Like you had the four of us I know. Uh, and raising us, um, and always like you said, multitasking a million things in her brain. I mean, that's why a happy hour for her starts at three o'clock. Yeah, now. hell yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm always thinking that. I'm like, I'm just, I'm wearing my brain out. Like, yeah. That's what I feel. Yeah. Every time I'm Let's like, just quit thinking. I, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, how great that would be. Okay, well, I have to first start by saying, love the podcast. Thank you. I, Ladybod Podcast, it's, it's refreshing. It's like, it's yeah. real. It's not pretentious at all. It's not too. Sciency, but yet you are like delivering factual information as a doctor. Like you know what you're talking about, obviously. So it's not just this like speculation, but it really comes across as like two women. You have a co-host, yes, friends, and just just chatting 
and sharing experiences that most women, I imagine, will go through at some point in their life. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your kindness. Oh, it's yeah. just my. You probably. I've don't, listened don't. to. All, I've listened to about every episode at this point. I love you. I really thought there were like five listeners. You know, That's like my I mother, <laughs> maybe my husband. Yeah. Um, my husband, I think, listened to the the episode where I threw him under the bus about always wearing socks and shoes. Oh, he's yes. like, great. Now everyone knows that I wear socks and shoes, and you weigh yourself after you take a dump. I'm like, yeah. But we do. Here try we to are. Keep it, uh, just normal. Yeah. Like you said, Holly Morgan makes it easy on me, and we really just want it to be like two. To women having a conversation over a glass of wine. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Okay, let's kind of start at the be- beginning. So you're a urogynecologist. Yes, ma'am. I had not heard that term before. Oh, I had to look it up. I understand now it's a subspecialty of gynecology. Yeah. But what exactly are you doing? What do well, you do? I mean, first of all, you're amazing for even looking that up, so thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a lot of people may not know that their OBGYN could have gone through uh, three more years of training. And diversified into an oncology specialist okay. for uh, female patients with female cancer yes. or an IVF specialist. Okay. So we call that like a reproductive endocrinologist or yeah. infertility doctor. They could have done three extra years in high-risk pregnancy and just, just taking care of old uh, moms like me. And uh, then finally, they could what have is become a, a urogynecologist. A urogynecologist. Okay, really quick, I have to interject. Yeah, no, what please. is a high-risk pregnancy? What, what? Uh, when, when you're in your 40s trying okay. to have kids like me. Uh, okay. <laughs> but no, it can be high-risk because you yourself as a woman were born with a defect or you're high-risk because you have type 1 diabetes mm-hmm. or you've had multiple losses and now you're pregnant and it seems to be a pregnancy that's doing well and surviving and they, they still consider you high risk. They're yeah. watching you closely. So it could have been any medical condition, not just age. Okay. Okay. I heard, I have a, another doctor friend that was, I was talking to him about, I'm like, oh, I feel this like biological clock ticking, right? I'm, I'm 32. And I'm like, young. that's, that's what I think. And that's what I say. But then I have some other outside influences being like, I don't know, you should probably start trying to have kids soon. And I'm like, what if I want to wait a couple more wait, years? Wait, girl, wait. I mean, we can always check that dusty old clap trapper anytime <laughs> you want to. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Your listeners are going to be like, no, wait, no. what? Um, but I mean, I didn't meet my husband until I was 35 yeah. years old. And I actually had no intentions of getting married or having kids. Um, I love my international mission work and really enjoyed living abroad and doing my thing. Yeah. And uh, taking the job here, meeting my husband a week after I moved here was a real monkey Ooh. wrench. Yeah. in my life's plan. Yes. But it was just another uh, plan that was meant to be. Yeah. So wouldn't change it for the world. Love my daughters. Um, so you've got time on your side. Right. Don't feel pressured. Right. That's what I'm thinking. And I'm like, I do want to have kids eventually, but I think it's almost the, the pressure of thinking I have to do it within a timeline makes me more anxious to go to do what I want to do. But I'm like, can I just like do it at my own speed? I got, I still got shit. I think I gotta do. Please do all your shit that you yeah, want to do right, right. now. <laughs> I I love it when friends of mine are like, we're pregnant with our first child. It's not gonna change anything. I'm like, yeah, right. I know. I'm like, a baby changes everything, and there's goodness to that. But there's, I mean, you have to move from being totally selfish. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. Right. Um, that we're selfish people, but you have to move from that into being absolutely selfless. I your know. time is no longer your own. And my kids are great. I, you know, I slap them around, mm-hmm. get them on a you right. know, schedule tight to go to schedule, bed at 8 run a PM. They, yeah, yes. I run a very tight ship, yep. but it's still not my time anymore. Yeah. Um, and so please do everything you want to do. I, that's really, truly how I you feel. You don't need kids. If you want kids, you got time, yes. girlfriend. I, I've already, I've already started to like talk to myself in this way of like, you, you have to mourn this self. You like do. this, it, it's not, it's going to change. <laughs> changes and then but I will say one thing about being an old mom is you kind of feel good right I mean I'm looking at you right now you're adorable you're totally physically fit you know you live in a house with 10 10 flights of stairs I mean (laughs) good lord gotta climb up the hill to get home you got a good strong heart but uh, what's interesting is having kids at 40 oh my word like you just don't bounce back as quick as a 25 year old exactly I know you know my nurses are 25 having kids and I'm like I'm sorry, you just had a baby four weeks ago because uh-huh. you look like you uh-huh. could go run a marathon. I thought about that too. I've thought about that. But I mean, you're starting out from a good place. You'll be fine. Yeah. But it is harder. You just feel so tired. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Okay, thank you for that. Okay, so 
back to your gynecologist. Oh, sorry, yes. No, no, no. I love a tangent. <laughs> I love a tangent, Dr. Oakley. <laughs> so urogynecology. So what exactly are you specializing in? Yeah, so three extra years beyond being an OBGYN. Okay, so you can do on, you can do yeah, all the things of OB- I could. Right. A lot of us don't anymore. Um, it just requires um, I like differences in malpractice coverage and mm, things like this. Okay. It's just the paperwork yeah. nuance of it all. Yeah. And so you really want to be just like a surgeon, right? I miss babies. I miss delivering them, but I love being a surgeon. And as a urogynecologist, we focus on the urology and pelvic floor. Okay. So I always tell my ladies that the three holes are my jam. Yes. So all three holes. Uh, so pee hole, vagina hole, rectum. Thank you, you for clarifying. Peeing, yes. pooping yeah. problems. <laughs> Vagina problems. Yep, yep, yep. So that's what we do. So is your day mostly spent in surgery? Is that like it's half and half? And so a lot of us Eurogynes will maybe do two or three days a week in the office and two or three days a week in the operating room. Okay. Got it. Got it. So as I mentioned, I listened to almost every episode. So I'm hoping that we can, and I took some notes as I was listening. So I'm hoping we can do like some clarifying questions or a little dig deeper as I was listening. I was like, what's dig? What's going on? So I think the first episode that I listened to was The Vicious Cycle. Yes. And this one really spoke to me because I feel like I have been in somewhat of a battle with my cycle the last six months. So to give you some non-confidential medical (laughs) history here, I am not on hormonal birth control. I have not been on hormonal birth control probably for the last five-ish years. So I had an IUD, Paragard. Okay. No hormones. I loved it. I was like, this is it for me. It was in four years. I'm like, this is amazing. Got it in one time. The experience of getting in was catastrophic. Yes. <laughs> why is it so bad? And why don't... I, it was terrible. It is terrible. And so I, I, we're talking... You're divulging your confidentiality. Yes. Number. Yeah. I'm giving you so every right. I, we can talk just about say anything. I know someone who might be close to me who recently had that same experience. And what I told her is that her uterus, it hasn't been used. No. Yes. Mom. And so for no it to, as a little tiny, but very strong muscle, endure the insertion of a small intrauterine device uh, for cycle control, um, it's a lot to ask that uterus to handle. Now, once it uh, maybe has a pregnancy or quote stretches out, uh, the insertion of an IUD is less traumatic for you. Yes. Yes. Um, I had, uh, heard that. And then that's why they, it, so mine migrated eventually oh. after about four years Dang. and they had to take it out. Let's put another one back in. Guess what? Yeah. Migrated again. Mm-hmm. And because of, and they, we There's did like, no space. we did an ultrasound yeah. and measured my uterus to like, make sure that everything's okay. Everything was normal size, but however, just not going to work for me. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to partake in some family planning. So I got a, uh, temp drop, a basal body thermometer oh, nice. where I can measure like when yes. I wake up in the morning, what my basal body temperature is. And I've been doing this for now for about a year. Okay. So I'm, I like know my body very well. I know when I'm going to ovulate. I'm very regular, 20, 29 day cycle. Like this is down, right? Okay. But for the last six months, my PMS, which starts about 10 days, Mm. not even a week, 10 days before my period starts, my mood swings. Like I will just, a couple days before the period starts, I will have such a low mood. I'm drained of energy. It's so unlike how I feel. Like the the contrast in my mood is like so great. And I'm wondering, so, and this coincides, could be a coincidence. I've been very physically fit my whole life. And in the past, been a very intense exerciser, like six, seven days a week, right? And and had like struggled with some disordered eating, never to a point where it would affect my menstrual cycle. But about six months ago, I totally switched up my fitness routine and I really Uh focus on strength training. And I worked with a nutritionist and she's feeding me a lot. I'm building muscle. I'm getting stronger. I feel like really good in every like physical aspect, but I'm like, is that a coincidence? Could something be happening? More testosterone in my body throwing shit off. Yeah. Absolutely, That's 100%. What it is. So I'm so it, smart. It would be the same as, uh, I mean, take a, the opposite end of that analogy if uh, there's listeners out there who feel that they've been sedentary during yeah. this COVID year. Right. Um, and not getting as much uh, exercise as they used to get. And maybe yeah. they've put on some LBs, especially around the uh, gut or yeah. middle region. 
that fat, that adipose tissue contains one hormone and one hormone only, uh-huh. and that's estrogen. Estrogen, right. And so that can also throw off your mood. And mm. so your explanation is spot on. That change in hormones, whether yep. it's uh, lower estrogen or higher testosterone, would then affect Just gets everything things. else with your serotonin yeah. and dopamine. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Will it eventually kind of even itself out? You know, six it months is, does. is yeah. kind I mean, of your body will yeah. you typically reach a plateau where it's used to, uh, for example, used to a, a, a weight that you're maintaining, yep. used to an exercise that you're doing, used to a diet you're on, yeah. used to uh, hormone uh, cycle control that you're right. on. So, yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay, interesting. Another thing that I notice, my boobs get humongous. <laughs> I am talking, I mean, it's like kind of great, but yeah. I, like, they're huge. And you don't think, I mean, just honest question, you don't think it's from the strength training. I mean, I don't know what kind of like weights you're lifting. No, it fluctuates. Like it's it will, they, oh, it's fluctuating. It fluct- okay. Like about starting around, like I would say like a week before my period, my yeah. boobs start getting bigger. And then once I start, they go back to normal. What is that? So question for you, do you know what day you ovulate on? Uh, yes, normally. Okay. Because it sounds like you might be a late ovulator. And I could be totally wrong, but if you have like a late kind of luteal phase ovulation, maybe uh-huh. day 20, 21. Okay. So let's say seven to 10 days before you start your period. Okay. That could absolutely be the change in progesterone okay. and why your, uh, you know, glands in your breast enlarge or why you feel super moody yeah. or bloated yeah. or I know you didn't say bloated, but some women I, might feel that way. Yeah. I can get bloated yeah. too, for sure. Yeah. So, it, I, so I it's don't all know. like hormone related though. Totally. So I don't know if you've just done like, like an ovulation interesting kit. How, I know like, you're monitoring your yeah. whole body temp. Yeah. yeah. No, I should, I should do that though. But I'm so, I'm like, why the boobs? And I know it doesn't happen for everyone. I talked to another podcast guest about this and I thought it was fairly common like everyone's boobs no it's totally not it's not (laughs) well hey maybe this means like if you did have kids one day maybe you got like uh your super milk producer i don't know but i mean it's just a representation of the uh composition and uh consistency of your breast tissue uh so as as a woman over 40 uh an example is when i get my mammogram and they're like Oh, well, your your boobs aren't real dense. And you're like, well, thanks, you know. <laughs> so basically, you know, it shows up on the mammogram as like totally black because it's just fat. You yeah. Know? I don't yeah, have any yeah, muscle density yeah, yeah, or good yeah. fibrin or elasticity. And so whatever your composition is with your glands and your milk duct structure okay. could be contributing. Interesting. This is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I, I was dying to ask you that question because I'm just like, this is so, uh, it's not just, I, it's not just like a little bit. Bigger, like, like a whole cup size. I think That's so. Crazy. I think so. It's. I'm gonna take. It is I'm, pretty cool until a week later when you're like, oh, they well, feel deflated. And, well, <laughs> and it just feels though like you're bigger. Yeah. You know, like if it's not something I'm typically carrying around, like my sports bras are oh, really yes. tight, and they're they're like they can be like a little tender or like sore feeling. Oh, they do. They yeah. yeah. When they do engorge like that, yeah. they feel really tender. Oh, okay, interesting. But okay, the bloating though. That's what. How, why is that happening? Uh, and can it, we do anything to avoid it? Can Instagram yes. sell me a pill that will de bloat me? <laughs> quit. Quit with the Instagram pills. Y'all quit buying these things. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, we did talk about it on the Lady Bod podcast because uh, Instagram will pop up these ads. Not necessarily e- evil, but can be harmful if they're uh, including a diuretic. Mm. I, I think that's how they sell you on these over the counter uh, supplements. There are some name brand products mm. that might be on the aisle at the store next to the uh, panty liners, Kotex and tampons yeah. that say, hey, you know, take me to end your bloat during your period. And really, they just include diuretics. Yeah. And, and as a you know fitness guru, you know, that can be harmful. Yeah. I mean, we need to stay hydrated, hydrated, hydrated. Right. I feel like even more so when you're bloated, like it's almost the opposite. Like keep drinking water. I agree. But, you know, our listeners, they feel otherwise yeah. and may not know that medical fact right. that it is dangerous to take these diuretics. Yeah. Yeah. So is it like it's, do, can there be any like reduce the sodium intake, maybe avoid alcohol, like things like that. Those can things that help? are always going to help. Yeah, so okay. I do absolutely agree with you on increasing your water intake on a daily basis, um, decreasing things 
you know, like coffee, tea, and soda. Y'all have heard me say it a yeah. million times on my podcast. <laughs> but my, my rule I tell my patients is do not give yourself anything that you are unwilling to give your one-year-old child. Oh. And I find that that has really resonated with yeah. my patients. They're like, oh, my goodness. And that cannot uh, just be limited to diet, right? Like when we're talking about hygiene in general and gynecology stuff, yep. you would never douche your child's vagina. You would never <laughs> scrub their vagina with a loofah. Oh, my God. You, if there's one thing we all need to understand, right? Self-cleaning. The vagina self-cleaning. Leave it be. <laughs> you don't need to do anything. <laughs> but also, you wouldn't give your child coffee or soda. And, I mean, now we're in this pandemic of childhood yeah. obesity. Yeah. And it might be uh, related to dietary changes, mm -hmm. which, as you said earlier, leads to hormone changes, right? Yeah. Increases estrogen, which starts the period earlier. And Oh, yeah. I heard you talk all about yeah. this. Like, that the, the I, I don't know if you want to say normal age is, like, 12, 13, yeah. but now we see eight and nine years old. Crazy. It is crazy. And I mean, you mentioned, you know, we started this talk about the vicious cycle episode yes. in relation to menstrual cycle, but here we are talking about the vicious cycle of how our eating habits and fitness affects our hormones. Yes. And hormones affect everything. Everything, else. right? They're like the controllers. Yep. Yeah. I, I was recently just talking to. A, a past podcast guest too, where she had like a, a ton of weight loss. Like she lost over a hundred pounds wow. and she's kind of feeling now almost a little like stagnant and she's, you know, she's doing the same thing that she's always done or she's, you know, washing her diet. She's exercising, she's moving her body and like nothing's really happening. And she's like, I think I need to look at the hormones. And I was like, I think yeah. you do. Yeah. There's probably a lot going on there. Yeah. And they had a shock. Right. Yeah. I mean, weight loss is a huge shock to your HPO, your hypothalamus, your pituitary and your ovarian tissues. Right. And yeah, absolutely. She should have those looked at. Yeah. It takes time to just probably like it's your body to like settle out. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just like anything else. I mean, think about how traumatic it is to start puberty and then how traumatic it is to go through menopause or have a baby or, or the shock of our patients who have cancer and are immediately thrown into a loss of hormones. Oh, it was God. very shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Okay. So one other thing I wanted to talk, or the yes. next thing I wanted to talk about, I'd never heard of this before. Endometrial ablation. First Ooh. time ever hearing it. <laughs> what is it? Such a lovely thing. So it is a procedure that OBGYNs or other types of gynecologists perform. Okay. It can be done in the office, depending on what type of um, uh, practice you are in. It can be done in the hospital or operating room setting. Uh -huh. The endometrium is the lining of your uterus. Mm -hmm. Ablation yes. just means to burn. Okay, so there See, are that other, sounds a little scary. It does me. sound scary. <laughs> and there are other ablations we do medically. You can oh, okay. have an ablation of a part of your nerve and muscle in your heart mm -hmm. to set the rhythm back to normal. Oh, yes. Okay. You can ablate nerves in your back to take care of back pain. So ablating the endometrium or gently burning the lining mm -hmm. of your uterus really helps women who suffer from heavy menstrual cycles like menor we call it menorrhagia okay or uh can also help women that suffer from painful menstrual cycles oh okay so when you do this though you're not menstruating or you're menstruating less how does it work great question the procedure can be done at any point in your cycle okay um it does work a little better when there's not a very thick lining that's you know bleeding out uh -huh. while you the doctor are trying to do this yeah um but after the procedure, uh, most women are without any bleeding spotting at all at two, about two years out. Oh, wow. So it's like just kind of saying you're not going to shed that lining. You're not going to shed years. that lining. It's, uh, and I know you, the word burn sounded scary to no. you, but <laughs> if we uh, burn it appropriately, yeah. no matter what your hormones are, mm -hmm. they're not going to uh, overcome uh, that that lining's ability to build back up again because it's been fried, tied, and yeah. laid to the side. Well. <laughs> but typically we do offer this procedure in women in their late 40s as a way to, quote, segue through menopause. Okay. Um, and so you're, you're, you're getting this if you're not, you're done having kids, right? A hundred percent. You should yes, only yes, do yes. this okay. if you're done, yes. if you do not desire any future fertility at all. But this doesn't say that you can't get pregnant. 
It would, uh, okay, correct. You can still get pregnant after an ablation. Okay. It would not be good. So right. we do uh, encourage our patients to consider some form of hormone control uh-huh. or, um, you know, outside of the Catholic health care system, they can consider a tubal ligation, for example, at the time yeah. of their ablation. Got it, got it. When you burn the lining of the uterus, it is not a healthy environment for a placenta to grab a hold of. Okay. And so could you get pregnant Physically, yes. Right. Should you? Probably not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, got it. Makes makes a lot of sense. Oh, I that makes me think of brings me kind of like another topic of endometriosis. Yeah. I've heard. I thankfully have not experienced this, but I know a lot of young women have a really hard time. So, what tell us a little bit about about that? So we're we're, we're dealing with the word endometrium again, mm-hmm. right? So the lining of the uterus, and with endometriosis, the lining of the uterus somehow, some way found it in its heart to get out of the uterus and implant itself throughout the pelvic area in a woman. So internally. Now, in really severe cases, the lining of the uterus can implant itself even within the wall of the bladder or rectum. And these women uh, with really, you know, stage four severe endometriosis may suffer from blood in their urine or bleeding with uh, defecation or pooping. Gosh. But there are so many different theories as to why this happens. We really don't know one particular etiology or Mm. reason. So we don't have one good treatment. Uh, And what's interesting to me is that women with stage four, like visibly as a surgeon, I'm looking in their belly. I'm like, damn, this is a hot mess. Like somebody set a grenade off. Those are the women who very rarely have symptoms. Typically the women with stage one disease looks pretty good when I look in there. They have the worst symptoms. Oh. Yeah, so there's no really good uh, stepwise treatment plan, yeah, or like yeah, you just kind of do it case by case. Yes, that's tough. That's tough. It is. I loved the episode where men asked the <laughs> vagina questions. That <laughs> we originally titled it "Men Who Ask Stupid Questions," and then we're like, "That's kind of judgy. We'll change it." Okay, <laughs> but what I was going to say next of this maybe stupid question was that: Do people still think there's a G spot? <laughs> they do. And it's okay. You know, I, I genuinely okay. I have a lot of right. listeners who it's believe okay. in the G-spot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my research is in with the clitoris. I've done a lot of... Uh, the C-spot. I like C-spot. how you call it the C-spot. It the C-spot. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's my focus, personally, yep. professionally. Yep, 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 yep. Here um, for it. But I think in all my reading for, for my job, mm-hmm. uh, like, I can see how women believe in the G-spot. I think my theory with other women in my profession is that you somehow connect with a spot on the top wall of the vagina during right. penetration intimacy that then helps to vibrate the clitoral body or glands yes. nearby. Yes, so right, because it looks like it, uh, branches coming branches out. Branches coming out. Yeah. So I still believe it's clitoral I mean, good for them. If that, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> if that can happen for them, good for them. Get that jackrabbit, girl. Yeah. Get it up in there. <laughs> But, you know, I think that brings up a, a concerning point, which is that a lot of women are now getting these G-spot injections. What? Which are unreasonable, unhealthy, not governed by any safety what board. What is a G-spot injection? <laughs> Don't even ask me because I do not support it. And, uh, yeah. Well, we need to. T- so is it a shot? It's a shot that they that are claiming that it uh-huh. and there's a certain brand called the O shot and if they inject this this material into what they think is your G spot it can help you with orgasm oh, and again this I'm, seems to be preying on women that I might do. have a difficult time yes finding their own pleasure or yeah. having someone else find their own pleasure and then that they're going to say let me sh- give you a shot in your vagina uh-huh i agree chrissy and think about it we women are particular about who does our hair who does our nails what drink we get at starbucks oh no but, but please we're go shoot see up the vagina for an o shot yeah it <sighs> makes no sense i was recent recently listening to a podcast and i cannot remember now who this woman was but she in like very like very very early on, did a ton of research on the clitoris and and like women's sexuality and women feeling pleasure. And she did this study, and she asked like tons of women. It was all rejected by men who said it wasn't right because it wasn't randomized enough or whatever. But basically, it was like, are you orgasming from sex? Like. 12% said yes. Or like, can you orgasm on your own? And it was like 90 
90% said yes. And she was just like bashed and dismissed and like kind of just like ran out of the medical community because men were like up in arms of like, no, we don't know how to pleasure a woman. So it just made me think of that. But this is, maybe this is a great question. How important is it for women to like experience orgasm like medically like right isn't there something happening hormones in your body like what's going on absolutely so I I love that you brought this question up I was just uh, giving a lecture to the new integrative oncology center at St. Elizabeth and speaking just to their staff Mm -hmm. just purely for educational purposes hey when women who survive cancer bring up these intimacy concerns after what chemo and radiation has done to them here's what y'all can say right here are some thoughts and answers you might be able to give them. So I love that you brought that up. Um, but we absolutely discussed that, uh, you know, women, I, hmm, you said something earlier, we need to be more in tune with our bodies. We need to be willing to discuss these topics of sexuality, communicate yeah. intimacy. We need to uh, realize that there are different forms of intimacy mm-hmm. and there's no reason why we cannot uh, find our own ability to be pleasured, mm-hmm. and that allows us to then teach our partners right. how to better, you know, pleasure us. Right. But it's interesting that for you know we were talking the other night about the sexual response cycle, and it is more linear for men, right? They're like, oh, hey, you're getting in the shower, you're naked, I'm interested, here we go, and you're like, no, I just want to take a shower. But uh, for we women, it's just more circular, it's not as linear, and we can be lacking the desire to be Mm -hmm. intimate, but still get aroused. And Mm -hmm. what you were saying is, if we recognize the the physical goodness that comes out of arousal and orgasm, Mm -hmm. you know, we really should be motivated to help our, you know, patients or through this podcast of yours, Chrissy, help your listeners to realize um, that it it really is medically a good thing to experience arousal and orgasm. Right. Um, When you were asking like physically what happens, the blood flow to that area, the engorgement Mm -hmm. alone is helpful. I know this sounds silly to say, but I mean, don't we all feel better when we get a back massage, right? Yes. It loosens things up. Totally. It brings uh, relaxation to the muscles, blood flow to the tissue. Or if we want that rosy glow on our face, yeah. right? We're just trying to get a new skin regimen for the new year. Sure. It it, ha- it helps to, you know, really massage your, your facial tissue. So yes. that engorgement blood flow is doing only good things. Um, and again, like, increasing serotonin, yeah. everything, uh, just the physical power of arousal and orgasm is medically, I think, necessary. Yeah. And I, I think too about, you're talking about, you know, cancers or, or anything else that could go wrong down there. It's like, almost like if you don't, if you don't use it, you could lose not, it. you're not going to lose well. it maybe, but like, I don't know, like we exercise our muscles, right? We like, yeah. you, you got to get things like moving around, blood flowing down you there. Do. Right? You do. You want to be stale. I mean, what we were laughing about with the staff during this lecture the other night is I said, one thing you have to remind your patients is they're going to have intimacy complaints after cancer, right? They, I just saw a woman the other day. She was treated, radiated for, um, uh, for colon and rectal cancer. Mm. And that radiation made the tissue so uh, narrowed and stiff she could no longer engage in penetration oh. with her husband. Um, I said, Does that pa- mean like ever? Well, we can help her. Oh, okay. And so she's, uh, we're going to remedy that. But I think the important point was that for these nurses to make sure they told the patient, we can help you with the post-cancer effects or menopause or just natural course of being a woman. We mm-hmm. can help you with there. But we can't, give you something you've never had. Mm. Patients come in and they want 50 shades of gray. Sure. I'm like, well, did you have that when you were sure. 20? Well, no. Well, I can't give it to you at 60. Yeah, yeah. But we can still help whatever the the issue is. Mm-hmm. But it mm-hmm. is important for us as women to be a little bit more realistic, mm-hmm. right? I mean, my husband's not going to be able to pick me up and throw me in the windowsill anymore. Yeah. That's it's, just no, not going to happen. For sure. For sure. I think that is a part too of this other like kind of grieving process. Not that like all passions out the window, you're never going to like feel the way you did when you were 21 like coming home from a night out but it is different it's It's different I I tell my women it's it's muted a little bit like it's still there we can still orgasm we can still thoroughly enjoy 
different forms of intimacy, yes. but it may just feel a little blunted or uh-huh. muted. And there are medical uh, things that we can use as uh, professionals to help. There are medications that are FDA approved. Lots of good things out there. Yeah. Okay, wait. This is a question too I just thought of then. Is that kind of like the natural progression as we age? Like, do we just kind of like lose the jejum of an orgasm as we get older? Yeah. Okay. So Fuck. this is probably a bad thing to say to you right now. No, it's okay. Sure. You got to tell me. You got knowledge is power. <laughs> knowledge is power. At 35, we take a dip. The hormones. Like in, in, in wanting sex? The in hormones general? change at 35 for us dramatically. Not for all women, just this is an average. Okay. And that is really when we start to feel changes, see changes. Um, a lot of women don't realize that, uh, quote, menopause can take eight to 10 years before you ever stop having a period. And so feeling a lack of desire, sleeplessness, hot flashes. Dr. Oakley, this is bullshit. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I really get mad at men because now they're on this bandwagon. They're like, I got low T. I'm like, you don't have low testosterone. It's the last thing to down a man. I mean, they go to the grave with an erection. Um, but yeah, so at 35, it starts to dip. Yeah. Okay. Well, is there other things that we can do? Okay. So this is my question, right? Let's say you're a woman and you are not married. Mm -hmm. Okay. And about every two or so years, you know, you have like a a fulfilling romantic partner, right? But you get to like, you're switching it up a little bit. So it's like, you're like, get a good excitement arousal time. Yes. It still is going to drop, like, no matter what. It's yeah. not just the monotony of, like, maybe you, this is the the partner you've been boning for the last 20 years. Like, it's not just that. <laughs> it's not just that. <laughs> you can't, like, introduce, you know, a threesome or something. But it's something different. Your toy. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. It's just, uh, met, met, like, the, average, the human this body. An, this is an average. I certainly okay. have lots of patients uh, with uh, just amazing energy yeah. and uh, ability to uh, arouse and be aroused in their 50s and 60s. Okay. Uh, so... Never fear. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to, but the next thing on my list, good segue, was testosterone oh. and libido yeah. and the relation there. So perhaps, again, maybe if I'm theorizing here, if if we stay physically fit and active, have some muscle there, could that help with the T levels that will make us hmm. want it more? I don't know enough to answer your question, but okay. I do think your theory has value in it because... Okay. And that could be for a direct uh, cause and an indirect cause. So uh-huh. you're asking directly, you know, muscle weight, physically fit, increasing right. testosterone, Just, yeah, maybe, maybe activity maybe. level high. But indirectly. I think we all can realize the value of staying fit just for energy yeah. levels. Yeah. So yeah. or yeah. yeah, you're feeling good about you're maybe you're a little bit good. better about yourself, yeah. which I mean, would we lend all itself. Feel good when we have a good workout. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's something to think about and have nightmares about. So appreciate you. <laughs> hey, you're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, okay, cool. I got three more years left. <laughs> awesome. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> this this I found really interesting. You talked about LBL, light bladder <laughs> yes. leakage. Ah, oh, Chrissy, I hate this term. Yeah. And how you said, common, not normal. Mm-hmm. And you were very adamant. I remember I I, this stuck. Like it is not normal to have any bladder leakage. Correct. Because I I thought in my mind like, oh yeah, you, maybe you have a kid or like you're jump roping, you're doing your jumping jacks, you laugh too hard, and you get a little tinkle. Yeah. Like oh that's normal, but it's not. It made me normal, but not. I Wait. think about, I went to a conference in Vegas, you know, uh, after, I think after my first kid, but anyway, I, uh, just had a great night and, uh, we, my friends and I were doing karaoke up on stage. I mean, oh, we fun. just, it was amazing. Yes. We got obliterated and yes. I absolutely wet my pants just cause I couldn't get back to the hotel room in time. Sure. But I think <laughs> that, that those are rare events. I think okay. we've all had them. Right. Like I can think but, of like high, me in high school oh, and I would yeah. like laugh so hard mm, that I just talk. like couldn't, but I haven't, I haven't happened in a really long time. So is yeah, that okay? yeah, sure. <laughs> but no, it's, you're right. It's, it's common, but never normal. Okay. And we really should recognize the warning signs okay. of incontinence, whether okay. we're wetting our pants or pooping on ourselves. Oh, okay. A lot, of, a lot of women always say, well, I haven't pooped on myself yet, 
but I'll be in Walmart and I have to squeeze so hard a little bit squirts out. And oh. I'm like, yeah, no, that's that's a warning sign. Right. Like, we need to fix yes. that now. Yes. So we don't end up in diapers or wearing catheters or things like this. So LBL is an absolute marketing term. Yes. There's it's not medical in any way, shape, or form. So love it when women walk into my office and say, I have LBL. Because eh. do they mark they like market f- yes. for this, right? Oh, like companies yeah. are saying, hey, for your LBL, well, it's I mean, totally look normal at thing. Brooke uh, Burke or whatever her name is. I think I said it on my podcast. She's on the commercial advertising the poise pads. I'm like, oh. that chick is not wearing poise pads. No, I you, guarantee no, you. No, 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 she's not. <laughs> she saw a urogynecologist. Oh gosh. <laughs> what, so what happens there? What's going on? It could be one of two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two types of leakage. Okay. Uh, we're really three, but the main two types are spastic bladder. And that's really a sense of, oh my goodness, I'm on a walk and I really need to pee. Okay. Where's the bathroom? Okay. Or I'm driving to Chicago. I cannot make it five hours. Where's the rest stop? Okay. I mean, so, I have felt like I really had to pee before. Yes. And we've all yeah, felt that. That's okay. And <laughs> sometimes it's a reflection of we drank too much coffee, tea, or soda, yes. or what have you. But if it's really happening on a daily or more consistent basis, that's spastic bladder. It can happen nighttime, daytime. And that is just an overuse of the bladder muscle, just squeezing, squeezing, squeezing. And in that situation, we do not want to drink coffee, tea, soda. Mm. We do not want to Kegel. Mm. Kegeling and squeezing our pelvic muscles would make that spasm worse. And the best way to treat that is, again, physical therapy for your bladder, dietary modifications, or prescription bladder pills. Mm. Okay. However, the second kind of leakage, that's from your pee hole, not from your bladder. So if your pee hole is weak, and that's typically from uh, repetitive high-impact things, pregnancy, childbirth, those are high-impact, CrossFit, CrossFit, um, marathon runners. So these are ways of putting pressure on your pelvic floor. You can kind of feel it jostling around when you do these high-impact activities. And if you kind of loosen or weaken your urethra, your pee hole, and that leaks, it typically only happens when, or the leakage only happens when you are exercising, you are coughing, you are sneezing. Yeah. So that's, you'll see sometimes, or I've seen in the past, like cross country runners. Yes. There, And actually I have felt this too. When I was a swimmer, I was a competitive swimmer and I would be going hard, going hard and hit the wall and stop. And it would be like, jolt. Yeah. Yep. yep. It doesn't matter and in the pool. You're cool. Right, you know, no one has knows. to know. <laughs> Unless they have that special dye yeah, right. that turns the water purple when you pee. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, pee hole leakage, again, fixed with physical therapy. Pelvic therapy is amazing. Yeah. But surgery, so as a surgeon, uh, that's yeah. the one that's fixed with surgery. Got it. Got it. Oh, man. Okay. But, so. I mean, and a lot of older women have a third type of leakage. They're not emptying all the way. Uh-huh. And it could just be because there's something down there blocking. They um, have, have had a stroke or severe diabetes and the nerve to the bladder is damaged. Oh. So they're just not emptying. And mm. it's like a kitchen sink that's all clogged up. Mm. There's nowhere else for the water to go but overflow. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, okay, we talked about this a couple of times where we started to hint towards it. And this is a topic uh, area that I really know nothing about. And like I said, knowledge is power. And maybe it's terrifying, but I think I need to know menopause. Menopause or menopause? I'm Menop- just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> menopause. What's going on? What's happening? Mm, we, uh, yeah, we have no follicle stimulating hormone anymore. It just, uh, we used it all up. We used it all up. Okay. We are born with a finite amount of these things, yes. uh, including, you know, eggs for ovulation. Yes. Uh, and I always get asked, well, if we don't ovulate and have a period because we're controlling it somehow with hormone therapy, am I storing my eggs up? Nah, What's happening to them? (laughs) I actually have never thought about that. Your your ovaries never gives birth to them. I know it sounds like a weird analogy, but you are born with a finite number. When you hit puberty, you lose a majority of those eggs. It's just the way the good Lord made us. And I know, I know. It does not sound like a good Lord, Dr. Oakley. I'm so sorry. I'm really the Debbie Downer today. No, no, no. We need. I need to like. I need to know this. I feel like you. I personally will have less anxiety, understanding, and knowing what is happening with my body, so that that'll make me feel better. 
But yeah, I mean, it's a finite number and it is true that, you know, some of our, uh, quote, better eggs are recruited in our 20s and 30s. Just genetically, they were made to be ovulated first and used. I Um, also had a theory about that, too. You see like 20 year olds popping out these like adorable kids. And I'm like, yeah, it's a young egg. Like, what do you expect? It's a young, adorable egg. (laughs) And that's why, you know, you get high risk when you're 40. Yeah, no, I crusty eggs. No, I like so thank my mom. My mom was 22 when she. She had me like oh, I'm wow. like the creme de la creme. You of are. The, That's of why the you're early so egg. Cute, oh, <laughs> cute <you>. early egg. <laughs> uh, my mom was old, so I was an old crusty egg. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I think our if we don't have the follicle stimulating hormone or uh-huh. FSH, then okay. our follicles, our eggs are not stimulated. Okay. And so then they just shrivel up. That and triggers something. Yeah. So it triggers a drop in all hormones, and um, and that is. Menopause. Now, some women, uh, so menopause is based on hormones, right? Okay. The, the diagnosis. Uh, clinically, it's based on you not having a period for 12 months. Okay. Not a drop, not a spot, because spotting counts. Okay. And you don't need your hormones checked okay. to confirm that you have gone through menopause. Right. If you, you clinically don't... have not had a period for 12 months. Okay. So that's that could the be basics. alarming. If we're like, what if you don't have a lot of symptoms and it just stops and you're like, am I pregnant? Like, what's Correct. going on? So a lot of women do come in and they're like, I need a pregnancy test. I don't know what's happening. Um, and then they want you to check their hormone levels. I usually don't do that just mm. because it costs you money and it doesn't change anything for us. Yeah, right. It doesn't change my chit chat or my management why I do it to you. Yeah. Um, but a, another thing is what you brought up symptoms, right? A lot of women will just stop, cease having periods and had no other symptoms. Whereas other women will be very symptomatic with hot flashes, sleeplessness, mood, irritability. Okay. <sighs> and so will that journey that will yeah. that start or could that start like before the period stops where you're like, Hey, I know this, this could be coming or is it like the period stops and then the symptoms come either way, well, either way. And that's, what's so fun about it. Chris can't wait. <laughs> just like puberty. Like Puberty. You never know when it's going to hit. Okay. It's just as crazy and takes just as many years. If you remember, I mean, I started my period when I was 12. It still took a couple years for me to get in a kind of a regular cycle or rhythm. Yeah. Same thing with um, menopause. It could take a couple of years. Okay. So question for you. If puberty was kind of somewhat of a breeze for you, could it be? No, you're not that lucky. <laughs> that menopause could also be. Like you have it a window into the future. And you're like, no, I nailed puberty. That was a breeze. Menopause, no problem. It, it's it could interesting. Be totally different. Even women who say they never had acne at 13 yeah. will get adult oh. acne during okay. menopause. So there is no rhyme or reason. And I think that's what makes it so hard to conceptualize and help women through. Yeah. Because it is just highly variable. What's the average age? 51. 51. For American women, average age of completely done with periods is 51. I think my mom was probably about like 52 around like, yeah, right around there. She had really bad hot flashes. That for her was like the worst. What does it feel? It just feels like you get really hot. Uh, I mean, I have them now, but I think, you know, you, you saw me when we started the podcast. I was right. kind of red you, in the yeah, face. Yeah, you were just I mean, running I around. By, by nature, I'm just like hot, sweaty hot, person, yeah. <laughs> which is terrible because I'm from the South. Um, so I do think if you are like me, you kind of understand what that feels like. I mean, it is like a match inside of your body. And you just feel like every orifice is sweet. You feel like you have oh. swamp ass. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just cannot okay. cool off. Um, yeah. And... A lot of women will say they just feel it really in their in their face, mm. um, but you know, everybody okay. everybody is different. Everyone's different. But and is there a, t- a time period of lasting? Like how long? It, these it absolutely can last eight to ten years. That's I've, insane. It is so insane. Now, I, interesting, you bring this up. So I had a patient this week in the office, and she's forty nine. Right? Okay. She could be hitting menopause. She wanted to discuss it with me. And uh, I happened to know her out, outside of just a right. doctor-patient relationship. And I said, well, weren't you just diagnosed with COVID? And she said, I did have COVID, uh-huh. uh, you know, four weeks ago. And I said, well, when did your hot flashes start? And she said, four weeks ago. And I said, I really think in your case, it's not menopause. Mm. I think this is related to the virus, you know, working its way out of you. Right, even your though body you're responds. otherwise asymptomatic yeah. and back at work. And so we really have to consider non-hormonal things when we're talking about 
hot flashes during the time of menopause. Right. It could be you changed your medicine. Yeah. You changed your exercise routine or yeah. your diet. Those can all affect kind of how hot and sweaty you feel. Oh, you eat man. sugar late at night, you're going to be up with the yep. sweats. Yep. Or you eat yep. a big 12-ounce ribeye, you're going to be up all night with the sweats. The meat sweats. The meat sweats yeah. are real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, They're I've experienced so the meat sweats before, for sure. Okay, well, you know what? That's helpful, and that's good to know. I think that, like anything else, right? You'll meet it when it comes. Do what we can. <laughs> yes. Gosh. Okay, we may let, not want to, but yeah. Right. Okay, let me see what else I have for you. Okay, so I thought this was interesting and something I didn't know maybe because I'm an idiot, you are sensitivity not. changes after kids, yeah. boobs and vagina. Yeah. What, is, what does that mean? Like they could be more sensitive, less sensitive, both? I, I what? think they're more sensitive during pregnancy. We have okay. a, a large amount of progesterone running through our bodies. And while that progesterone can put us at risk for pelvic relaxation in a, in a bad way or urinary tract infections uh, in, a, in a negative mm. way, uh, it may help to contribute to a, a heightened sense of uh, sexuality and arousal during uh, oh, pregnancy. Well, that's something we so, can look forward you mean, to. Lo- you hear a lot of your friends are like, oh, I was so horny when I was pregnant. Uh, totally true. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not a myth. It is 100% true. Uh, it's funny because that's when men are like, oh, what if I hit the baby? I'm I like, know. listen, dude, you're not going to hit the baby. You're not going to hit the you're baby. You're not, you know, no one's that no, amazing. But no. <laughs> um, So then I think you take that heightened sense of sexuality and arousal, and then you bottom out after childbirth. Complete change because the, the kid's are out of you. Yeah. You know, those hormones aren't needed anymore. Right. And so now you've got this little nugget keeping you awake mm-hmm. all night. Maybe you're breast pumping or feeding. Maybe you're not. doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, you've got this prolonged period of time, maybe a year, where you're just exhausted just because you're taking care of a human. Right. You're trying to keep another human and alive. And your alive. hormones are in the crapper and you're just like, I am not interested. But I also think that that stretching of the pelvic floor tissue, in addition to the lack of hormones creates a recipe for just a disaster Mm -hmm. when it comes to sensitivity. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I mean, if you take a rubber band and stretch it a hundred times, is it still going to maintain its elasticity and usefulness? Nope. So here we are stretching our pelvic floors. Yeah. And that contributes indirectly, I think, to a change in sensitivity mm. or stretching our boobs with breast pumping mm. and feeding. Mm-hmm. All good things to do for for your child, right. but potentially. To keep that child yeah, alive that you gave yeah. up your life for. <laughs> totally give up your life for. <laughs> we're really, we're, we're, moving oh, God. we're moving into the trough of disillusionment <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, I'm, I gotta be realistic with myself. That's yeah. how I'm going to be able to, that's how I'm going to be able to move forward and make these decisions that I need to make. Oh <laughs> and man. Don't, and don't ever feel judged. You know, while we're on that topic, yep. I always joke I'm the worst OBGYN cause I had a scheduled C-section cause I'm not trying to ruin my vagina. Good Lord. And I didn't want to breastfeed. God. So I used formula. Yeah. And good for you. You are wood, a modern woman and you fine. can make these decisions. Yeah. But there is, there is judgment. I don't yeah. judge anyone else for pushing their, kid out vaginally or breastfeed. I mean, I think that's all commendable, but sure. we should be allowed to make a choice yes. that suits us. Yes, I agree. I've had a, um, a couple of women now on that have been doulas or have had home births. Yeah. yeah. And I, I am so interested and fascinated because there is no way in hell I would ever do that. Right. I think it sounds amazing. It and I think that they, they are a different human than I am. I agree. Because I'm like, I know my birth plan. I want the epidural as soon as I get in. I don't want to feel a thing. And you don't have to wait. I think that's another <laughs> myth is that women have to somehow wait. You can ask for your epidural right away because it's one needle and it actually uh, can be redosed. So when you go in for a procedure, you get an IV. Yeah. Just because the bag of fluids goes empty, they don't take your IV and put a new one in. Right, right. They just add a new bag of fluids, and your epidural works the same way. One needle, and they can add a new bag of fluids or medicine. Yeah, okay. Keep it going for you. So don't don't be shocked. But I agree with you. You know, I, we had a doula on our podcast, and I was like, yeah, yeah amazing. The, yeah, yeah. Amazing. I listened to that one. Is midwife right for you? Yes, a midwife Mandy. But I feel, uh, for me, I'm, I feel so grateful that God allowed me to be an OBGYN and experience all of those amazing birth. Yeah. I got to be there to catch all of these humans oh, wow. in the most intimate moments yeah. in a woman's life. And like you said, I'm good. Box checked. Yeah. Don't need to do it no, myself. I, <laughs> I know. My hair was done. My fingernails were perfect. I walked in. I had my baby. Yeah. <laughs> 
Thank you. Yeah, no, I, I totally feel that. And that, that's the that's the beauty of modern science where we yeah. are right now. A woman has a choice. How And I we mentioned on the podcast with like, where are you going to feel most comfortable? Those women, they felt most comfortable in their homes. So good Let for them. Them do it. Yeah, yeah. Like yes. wherever you are going to feel the best. I mean, right. regardless of the situation, it's a big deal. Birthing a human, no matter what. It's huge. It, it's a big deal. Chrissy, <laughs> we're insane. <laughs> At some point, we women think it's reasonable to deliver a human yeah. being. <laughs> I'm still just like gasping at like that it grows and it has yes. a brain and then it has a personality. It, like Legit, it's crazy. Mind blown, for it sure, is. for sure. Okay, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about you Ooh. and the ways that you take care of yourself to show up as a woman delivering life into this world, <laughs> a mom, a podcast host, like all those things. What do you do to take care of? What are like some mm, non- I drink heavily. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I love to hear it. <laughs> but uh, I mean, you and I were talking about this before uh, you hit record. Uh, my nurses today were like, you're doing a podcast with Chrissy on being fit. I was like, yeah, I'm not fit at all. You just but came from a workout. In full disclosure, it was like a New Year's special. So uh, there's a gym in Northern Kentucky yeah. called Five Seasons. They uh -huh. have locations in, in the Cincinnati area, but they were running a deal on a certain number of sessions with the personal yeah. trainer. So God love her. Her name's Shirley, and she's willing to whip my butt into shape. Um, but I, I'm telling you, Chrissy, she said, well, when's the last time you've been to the gym? I'm like, uh, two years ago. Uh, well, it doesn't so have to be physical fitness. <laughs> You're like, so cute. Anyway, that I, I like to think like self-care for me, like yeah. I said, the the walks for one thing, but the other, the other part of self-care that I love that I take a lot of um, – time and energy into making sure that I do this on a regular basis is I walk around my house and I light every single candle in my house and I just look at it, it and that makes me feel relaxing. good. It's very soothing. <laughs> I, I try to explain this to my husband because he's like, why do you do X, Y, and Z? Right. For me, honey, it's relaxing. Yes. And it's he that thinks it's not, he sees it as another activity that mm -hmm. I'm trying to get done. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think we all have uh, mental, emotional, and physical ways to stay fit, yeah, right? Yeah. For me, mentally, I think I uh, am blessed. This is my second career, and mm. I love my job, but mentally, I do need to go to it. So yeah. I think as a woman, for better or worse, uh, a lot of people ask me, oh, after you have kids, are you going back to work? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I went to school for 15 years to do this. Like, I'm going back to work. Um, and I, it's not that I don't love my children, but I mentally I stay fit by doing my my job. Yes. And I need that. Yeah, yeah your passion. What, yeah. Yes. Yeah, totally. Emotionally, the podcast opportunity suits me because that was my first career yeah. was performing arts. Oh. So everyone knows that I love to sing and dance and I, I'm not shy at all to be asked to do something like this or get I up on stage. It. And so I think that keeps me emotionally uh, fit. Yep. It's very hard, no matter what your career is, whether you're a, a parent or a, you know, a dog parent, whatever mm -hmm. it is, we're busy. We're yes. busy. And to find time to do a hobby is sometimes difficult. Mm -hmm. And so if you can uh, make that hobby something that hmm how do I phrase this like for you 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 do love to work out you yes. are uh, a swimmer and you've found different ways throughout your life yep. to enjoy physical exercise but yes. that has kept you emotionally fit as well a hundred percent yeah I almost use it more for my mental health yeah. than like the physical aspect absolutely yes, and I totally. think we have to find ways to de-stress mm -hmm. and you know I think my husband is like why don't you because I do love to play the piano. Why don't we get oh, a piano? Yeah. You play the piano. Why don't you paint? And I'm like, eh, I love those things. But if I can uh, do the podcast, for example, it's cathartic to speak about these things emotionally, mentally. It keeps me It's fit. great. This is like a huge yeah. part of my self-care. I've like talked yeah. about, I, I really don't need to go to therapy because like this is it for it me. It is therapy Everyone to listening, talk to all your different. Like, thank yeah. you. <laughs> it is, it's amazing. And I think like we've been talking about, if you can find a way to stay mentally and emotionally fit, that helps you physically mm -hmm. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Have I seen the inside of a gym in two years? No. H am I going now? Absolutely. Do I feel so much better yeah. that I'm going? Uh, yeah, this is my like yeah. eighth time in the last you know three weeks. Oh, and yeah. I, I do. I feel so much you better. You just got to hold on to that feeling. It's easy to slip yes. away, it which is, is so annoying. Easy. 
But goals have to be reasonable, yeah. right? So Shirley yeah. said, what are your goals? I would love to sit there and say, I want you to do something to me that makes me lose this, you know, mom gut, this mm -hmm. muffin top. But that really wasn't my goal. I yeah. don't care. No one sees it but my husband. Right. So right, my right. goal was, I just want to feel more energetic. I yeah. want to be the 40-plus-year-old mother who can run after her three-year-old without complaining that yep. my back hurts. Yep. You know, yep. I want to yep. be able to bend down and get up with them. And so I think if we keep our goals realistic, mm -hmm. that, again, helps us not just to be physically fit, but mentally and emotionally yeah. fit as well. Yeah. Well, I think this is going to play into the next question that I'll ask you. Uh -uh. What does being fit mean to you? <laughs> I mean, in my dreams, <laughs> <laughs> being fit is like, I can get into a bikini. But uh, keeping goals reasonable, yeah, I've never I worn a bikini. That. I mean, I just haven't. Yeah. Uh, and so, it's same as our like intimacy goals that we talked about earlier. Like, I'm not looking to wear a bikini. I never have. Mm -hmm. So, Keeping my goals reasonable, uh, I think, is fitness to I me. I love that. Because then I have that checklist. And again, it's uh, within reason. And I'm meeting those goals, which makes me happy. Mm -hmm. And it makes me satisfied. Even if it's like, I need to paint this room, you know, by the end of February. That is uh, a physical activity, but <laughs> it's keeping me fit mentally and emotionally. And I think that just makes me a healthier person totally. when I have attainable goals that I do meet. Yeah, that's an answer I have not heard yet, and I really love it. Oh, Attainable goal. I mean, really, it's just you're setting yourself up for success, and it's a sustainable. You know, it's great. You know, I, I think it's, you know, important to – if you're in a place where you have the mental space and the energy to set these really lofty, big goals, that's great, but not everyone's there. Yeah. Like, some people, you're just like, I'm trying to get through the day. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get through the day. You know, and that that's okay, too. And, like, maybe you'll be in that – that place one time in your life and like maybe you won't and who cares if it's if you're not setting goals and achieving them also it doesn't make you any less of a human being and we don't want low-hanging fruit you yeah. know i mean my goal shouldn't be i want to go downstairs and use the bathroom i <laughs> <Right>. mean check <laughs> yeah, i'm so yeah. happy um but uh you know like my trainer shirley told me the other day she said now if you really could try get your calories down to 1500 per day and i said a i oh, drink 1500 God. per day shirley that's I'm a low amount. That. I know. And I said, B, I would strangle you. Yeah. <laughs> she was you like, okay. operating on other human beings. Like, you need the brain power. But yeah, attainable goals. It's so critical, I yeah. think, because there have been times where I set myself up for failure and it did put me into that uh, vicious cycle, mm -hmm. which is our code word today, mm -hmm. where I just felt bad for myself exactly. and then I just didn't want to do anything. Well, and good for you for stand for kind of standing up for yourself and be like 15 that's not that's not reasonable for me. It, I mean it's tr it's just truly not. You're right. And can you sustain that? Cuz nope. then what happens when you stop eating 1500 calories? You guess gain the weight back, you know, like it's Right. Good for you. Cuz well, I think some people oh would just God, be like, "Okay, so I'll try." Hard. And then they're back on it again, you know. But I love talking to people about, you know, what are some things that uh, they do? And uh, a couple of my nurses are like, you know, when my kid's doing this, mm -hmm. I do that. And oh, so yeah. uh, last night I employed that technique. My husband was washing their uh, hair. So both girls are in the bathtub. Mm -hmm. He's washing their hair. And he usually does that. He likes that moment with them. Oh, and I kind of really wait and, and do the drying off. Yeah. And so while I was waiting. <laughs> Put him down the assembly line. Yeah, it is an assembly line. <laughs> but I thought while I'm waiting, can I get in, you know, a one and a half minute plank? Totally. That's Am great. I going to make it to one and a half? Maybe yeah. I made it to 120. I don't know. I didn't set a timer. Yeah. But I thought I'll, I'll try. Yes. And I think uh, being willing to ask my friends or coworkers what they do mm -hmm. uh, helps me to realize that there are little tiny moments I can steal. Yeah. Like that one and a half minutes. Right, 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 right. I did something similar. I was trying to get better about being mindful or meditating. And I've tried a lot of like a goal to meditate, a goal to meditate. And I just, re I, re I wouldn't do it. Maybe do it for a couple days, whatever. It just wasn't sticking. What I do every day is I go for a walk. And normally on my walks, I'm listening to podcasts, I listen to music, like something's in my ear. And so I've been, tr I've been trying now for the first five minutes of the walk, I set a timer. I have nothing on. And it's just a time to like kind of be mindful. And I'm walking. And so it's not just like me sitting there. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just trying to like finagle ways yeah. to be like, okay, how do we incorporate into something that you're already doing that I can easily do it where, where it's not like I'm sitting there silent yeah. trying to meditate. And so this is like, it's kind I of think working. that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I actually never listen to anything when I'm 
walking. Good for you. And I don't run. I, I do like to walk. Yeah, I don't run. My either. husband loves to run, yeah. and he will listen to podcasts and think that's what he likes to do. Yeah. Um, but I've never, ever taken anything. I think it's because I'm old school, and I would probably need to wear headphones like the ones that we're wearing, <laughs> and that's probably not going to do so while you're walking. Um, but I think that you, you know, hit the nail on the head. Yeah. It's a great time to fit in your... Uh, thoughtfulness, yes. your meditation. Just quiet. Quiet. I mean, we don't have enough quiet time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I don't. Because I'm like, have like a, you know, I'm either working, I'm on calls, I got people right. in my ear, or I'm or I'm listening to a podcast. Things I enjoy, entertainment, but it's like, rarely, it's like, hey, just, just Chill. be with yourself. Mm-hmm. Terrifying as that sounds. It is terrifying. And yeah. I think a lot of us have realized uh, the goodness in that, but uh, also how terrifying it is throughout this pandemic mm-hmm. this past year. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't go out to all the places and, and be inundated with all the, you know, music and the distractions. distractions and yeah. Da, da, da. yeah. And we have to find ways to simplify, and that is scary, but yep. it can be enlightening. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Oakley. Thanks this has been me. so wonderful. I feel like I'm walking away, yes, maybe knowing some dark truths ahead but truths nonetheless and it is it is what it is and also women are incredible and we overcome and we get through it and we lead amazing lives despite awesome. the shit that we're thrown absolutely <laughs> but you are delightful it was so easy to talk to you and i really uh am grateful for this opportunity so thank you for of having course. me on your podcast where can people find the lady bod podcast follow you get it you know i don't even know on. no i'm just kidding the lady bod podcast mm-hmm. i think you can find on spotify, spotify iTunes, itunes or podcast one yes yes amazing Thank you so much, listeners. Thank you for hanging in. Call the voicemail if you have uh, anything to talk about your vagina or your period. I'd love to hear. Thanks for listening as always, and see you soon.